Tell me about yourself, Mr. Damon Ace. What do you want to know? Well, how'd you start wrestling? So, <laughs> this is actually kind of a funny story. So, I started watching wrestling when I was like 11, I want to say. Nice. And then, uh, once I kind of got into high school, I stopped watching for a little bit. I got involved with kind of a shitty crowd of people. And then I started watching again, and that was right when CM Punk was kind of coming back into the prime of his career. Like what, 2010? Yeah, about there. Mm -hmm. um, so I had obviously not been watching for a few years, so I went back and watched all of his straight edge society stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it was kind of at that moment that I decided, you know, that this is what I wanted to do with my life. And so I started wrestling, honestly, because wrestling saved my life. Because that guy and that whole gimmick basically brought me into a mindset where I was like, I need to step away from all the bad people. I started training super hard in the gym. And from there, I just, that's all I ever wanted to do. That's one thing I want to focus on because I can always tell when someone is, I mean, all you guys are legit. But the ones that flat out per se, wrestling saved my life. It saved my life. Yeah. Uh, one, of, one of my partners I work with, Tom before I realized I could start working with him was until he said wrestling saved my life and he had this amazing story I and mean, yeah. living in Philly uh, just yeah it wasn't a good crowd and I, yeah. I I wasn't involved in a good crowd either like what specific about was it the straight edge culture so yeah I was kind of I was straight edge for probably three and a half years and that's when I was doing all my MMA stuff um, so I started doing the straight edge I started training and then I, I, you know, I'm telling everybody like, "This is my dream. I want to be a pro wrestler." Blah blah blah. And you know, you always get those people that they'll tell you, "Oh, that's stupid. You're never gonna go anywhere." Blah blah blah. And unfortunately, I ended up like listening to them. So I was like, "Screw it. You know, I'll just be a real fighter." So I did MMA for three and a half years. Got completely sober. Didn't do anything else. And uh, one day I was just kind of sitting there. I was sitting in my old apartment. And I was like. This, this is not what I want to be doing. This is not where I want to be at. And I was like, I was just like, screw it. You know, like all these people telling me that I can't do something and I'm not the person that's going to listen to anybody. What was bottom? What do you mean? Like, like rock bottom? Tyler Durden, you hit bottom. If you don't mind. No, that's a good question. I don't really know. You know, I, I enjoyed what I was doing for a while. But like I said, I, you know, I started thinking about it and I kind of fell back into the bad habit of hanging out with bad people. And I was like, the one thing that I've always focused my entire life around was pro wrestling because that's where I wanted to be. I knew that's what would keep me straight. And bottom was probably, I went to a concert one night and I got super drunk and then I started doing a bunch of drugs. And I immediately like sobered up towards the end of the show and I was like, 
this is not who I am. This is not where I want to be. Uh, and so I, I got home that night. <laughs> I'll be honest, like I started crying. I was like, fuck, man, what am I going to do with my life? Right. And it was at that moment that I decided, I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to listen to these people. It's over. I'm, it's done. Yep. And that was, I started looking for a training school and I was talking to a bunch of people. But, you know, it kind of sucks because in Colorado, it's hard for you to look around and find schools that are being promoted or academies that are being promoted, especially down in Denver. So I ended up actually talking to one of my friends who had a thing with Adrian Matthews, who was my main coach, him okay. and Joey Kincaid. And uh, she gave me his number, and I called him. I called the school, and I immediately went, uh, I think it was that next Tuesday after I called. No, it was next Thursday after I called for my tryout, and I was immediately, immediately that was, I was like, this is where I need to be. This is my home. Even though we're training in a crap ring. Right. I was like, this is it's still a ring. This is where I wanted to be my whole life. What did you think when you first saw the ring? Home. Yes. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Um, it was funny because I walked in. I was super nervous because I knew a couple of like, the local guys, but I didn't really know them as people, you know? So the first time I get there, everybody's bombarding me with questions. Why do you want to be a wrestler? Why do you want to do this? What do you want to do in this business? And I was like, you know, I haven't really thought about all that. All I know is I want to wrestle. Were they asking you questions for you to say the wrong thing to know that you were someone to weed out? Probably. I feel like, especially in this business, because, and I've obviously I've been training now for a year. I've had, this will be my fourth match coming up. And uh, I've watched people come and go. People tell it like they walk in, they're like, this is all I want to do. This is my dream. Make it through one practice. And they're like, I can't, I can't do this. And then at that point, I feel like if you don't have the drive and determination and dedication to do this, you're wasting not only your own time, but everybody else's time. What sort of, uh, what sort of uh, discipline are we talking about? Are we talking like bed at, you know, bed o'clock? Uh, we're talking about intermediate fasting, like this is what I'm eating in the morning. I hit the, I hit the gym exactly at this time. Yeah, you know, it's, I think it's different for everybody. You know, because I listen to, like, you were talking to Jimbo Lucas, and he does the intermittent fasting. And there's, everybody in this business has a different goal of what they want their physique to look like, their ring style to be, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, for me, I eat all day, every day, because I want to be strong and have good stamina and be able to go, go, go. What do you a lot mean? of people want to just fly around and do that kind of stuff. But, yeah, as far as, like, bed o'clock and doing that, I go to the gym every day from either noon to one or one to two. I train, I come home, I eat, I'll rest, take an ice bath or something, whatever I need to do. And then I train from basically 7 until 9.30 or 10. And that's my day every day when I'm off. How often is it on your mind? Wrestling? Yeah. All the time. Nice. I mean, crap, shit, man. Like last night I was laying in bed and I was like, ah, oh, this guy, I want to work. I want to do this. I want to be able to do that. Um, I'm always thinking about new moves I can put into my set. I'm always thinking about things I can do in the matches. Y'all should have seen the smile on his face when I asked him how often he thinks about wrestling. That's awesome. Who? You. When I uh, asked you, like, how often? <laughs> Dude, it's yeah. all the time, man. And that's, I feel like that's when you know you love something. Yeah. Is if that's all you can think about. And I've, I've only been doing this a year, and I've already missed birthday parties. I've already, like, I take work off to go to shows, to work shows. I dedicate my life to it. There's been a lot of times I've, playing dates with my girlfriend and people need me to go down and help train 
I'm like, screw it, I'll go help train because mm-hmm. that's my life. And the good thing is, is a lot of people can't find people like my girlfriend that are that are there and understand. Agreed. You know, they always want their own time with you, and unfortunately, you get that. But you also need to understand that this is our dream. A lot of people in this business, this is what they want to do for the rest of their lives. It's hard for people to understand uh, from a wrestler's point of view or even an artist's point of view like mine that, yeah, I, I want to spend time with you, but I'm not really living for myself even though right now it looks like I am yeah. because the end goal is to take care of everybody. Yep, and, absolutely. And it, it's the people that understand that, like my family, like, well, what are you doing today? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I do nine to five and then it's like, boom, we're doing interviews, I'm reading, I'm doing research. I'm watching everything I can get my hands on because I can't do these interviews and come to your house and not know anything about wrestling. Like, oh, I guess I like wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. like, so tell me how much you like Stone Cold. Like, dude, we don't want to talk about Stone Cold anymore. Who's that guy? Yeah, we got other guys to talk about. It's we- actually funny. I know that we don't have, like, a video or anything that we can show. But my dad straight up looks like if you took Goldberg and Stone Cold Steve Austin and they had a kid. Nice. <laughs> He's like six foot one, two hundred and sixty pounds, bald, goatee, just tank of a man. And it's funny because he's the director for all of the Nuggets, cool, all the Nuggets broadcasts, and all the players. They don't know his real name. They know nothing. Like they don't know any of that. They just call him Stone Cold all the time. Stone Cold. That's it's awesome. hilarious. Does he dig it? Oh yeah. Everybody. I, I shit, man. I call him Stone Cold. He's Stone Cold on my phone now. Yeah. So yeah. That, that, that would be a scary thing, especially because you know when your dad calls, it's important. You hear that glass break. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what did I do or what I got to go do? It sucks because on my old phone, I did have that as his ringtone. And I got a new phone, so I have to re-download and do it all again. But. Who were your guys when you were a kid? Well, who were my guys? Yeah. Well, CM Punk, obviously. Mm-hmm. Probably going to get a lot of heat for that, but whatever. Um, Chris Jericho. I always liked Jericho. I call him Y2J, Chris Jericho, my hero, every single time. My friends yeah. my friends get like, why do you do that? Because yeah. he deserves it. He's the GOAT. <laughs> One of my favorite, like, entertaining aspects of wrestling was Santino Morello. Oh, nice. Him. Um, as far as, like, big guys, Batista, Triple H, Taker. Uh, I liked John Cena for a while, but not so much anymore. I couldn't do. I can't do. Uh, but I was a kid, so that's, that doesn't. It's count. okay. It's it okay. Count. It's okay. I used to listen to Corn and Stain. It's all yeah. right. <laughs> um, God, who else? Well, let's talk about how you got involved with the local scene here in Denver. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, how'd you, all right. So we we already know you went you went to the your first training meeting. Yep. And you knew it was home. Uh, what sort of drills are you running? They the they break you. Oh jeez, my first night. I probably bumped like a hundred times at least. Flat back? Everything. Back bumps, front bumps, flip bumps. They basically, Duff Doyle, who is the guy I did my tryout with, he, he's like some sick masochistic guy because <laughs> like his whole goal on your tryouts is to try and make you throw up, right? Mm-hmm. So he thinks it's funny. And it's funny now because like now I'm in good ring conditioning and now I just watch all these other people come in and I'm like, you have no idea what but first night, yeah, he basically made me bump until I did it right. Um, I probably did 200 push-ups, 300-plus squats that night. Um, Were you ready? Me, what? Were you ready for it? I mean, I, I think I'm a relatively big guy, mm-hmm. so I did all right. I wasn't expecting it, but I made it through it. Um, he made me run the ropes for about 10 minutes straight. 
You still got the scars? Huh? You still got the scars? Dude, I'll tell you what, man. I, I went into it and I was like, I was so concerned that the ring was going to hurt me. And it's not the ring. It's those ropes the first week that you're hitting them. Because you're hitting them. I mean, right. you're, you're going for it. And the ropes that we have aren't even ropes. They're steel cables steel. surrounded in rubber. I was about to They're ask like that. like material. So I woke up the next morning. I had lacerations all over my back. I was like, where the hell did this come from? Like, why is this spot hurt and this spot? Like, I didn't really do anything. And I was like, I went in the next day. And I was like, this is, like, I'm sore as shit. And I'm like, yeah, that, that'll happen. It's probably from the ropes. It's like, <laughs> ah, okay, got it. Well, uh, how did you progress from there? Okay, so obviously you're starting. Uh, you're, you're not even indie yet. You're, you're, yep. you're in the training. Yep. You're in the training stages. How did you get from training to indie? I busted my ass. Um, I trained every day as long as I possibly could. For the, six, for the first six months, I would train, and then I would stay after and work on all my rolls, running the ropes the right way. I would basically do whatever I could to get better. You know, my whole mindset, every sport I've ever played, was to go in and be the best. And in order to be the best, you have to do other things that people are not going to do. And so I stayed after practice. I asked all the questions. I did whatever was necessary of me. And I never complained. I've been injured countless times. I've hurt my ankle. I rolled my ankle so bad one day. My, the next day, my ankle swelled up probably a good three inches. I taped it up, wrapped it in an ankle brace, and went to practice the next day. That's what you got to do. Yep. That's what this is all about. And so to get to the Indies, I, I had a set goal. I wanted to do it in 10 months. I did it in nine. So that was good. Um, but I just, I busted my butt and I listened to the people that were coaching me. Who put you over from the, the dungeon to first, first match, indie match? Joey Kincaid. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was about eight, eight months in. For about a month, he had me running every drill you could possibly imagine to see if I was ready. So every Tuesday night was basically torture. Mm -hmm. It was, you do this, you do this, run the ropes for this long. I want you to chain for this long. I want you to do that. And I basically did as much as I could do to prove him, uh, to prove to him that I was ready. But it's not up to you. you know, it's not up to me. Yeah. Um, you have to, because you don't want to put anybody on a show that isn't ready. Yeah, especially dangerous. for the safety of everybody and the guy you're working needs to know that you're not going to drop him on his head, and et cetera, et cetera. So he really put me through the ringer. And when he said I was ready, I I knew I was ready. Who was your first match against? Joey Kincaid. Really? Did yep. he surprise you with it, or, or I, did I you know? Had, I kind of had a thought that it was going to happen, but I didn't know. You know. When, when did it happen? How long ago? My first match yeah. was April 16th. Nice. No. March, March 13th, I think it was. Yeah, March 18th, right? Yeah, March. March 16th. And you're about to do number four? Yep. How did you get the attention of Vaughn? Because, man, he was just like, oh, dude. I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy because Damien Malice is his yeah. name, right? Um, I have never – I've only seen him work one time in the video that he posted. I have no idea how he knows about me. but He brought you up. Obviously, if that's happening, I'm, I'm doing something right. Well, that's why I'm here because he's, I, I, I usually it's kind of turning into a new gimmick where I'm basically like, all right, who should I talk to next? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've obviously since then I've kind of like looked him up, and he obviously has a legit background. He's wrestling for 
he was like three, right? Yeah, he's been he's been hungry for it. Yeah. Plus, he's Puerto Rican, so you know he's crazy about it. Yeah, yeah. which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I respect the hell out of that because I've I've come from the same kind of background. Uh, you know, I did Muay Thai for four years, took silver in a state championship here. I've done jujitsu competitions, blah blah blah. So I know the grind that he goes through. I've been there. What uh, what martial art do you think helps you out the most in wrestling? I kind of incorporate a little bit of both, you know, because my submission is an inverted triangle, and I do a lot of striking. So probably both, a little hybrid of each. Um, but my wrestling training, obviously, being able to move around the ring and do what looks flashy, I guess. Is that not really your gimmick? You you you're not going for flashy. You're going no. for you're going for strong. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can do flashy stuff want to but I haven't had any need to what was going through your head when you first that, that bell first ring in your first match with Kincaid dude that okay so the first match was wild to me because everybody was like you know you're gonna go out there you're probably gonna be nervous blah 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 and I was when I was behind the curtain and my music hit I was super nervous like I can't do this I, I don't know what I'm gonna do out there I have no idea what's gonna go on the second I walked out and saw the ring and all those people, I was like, this is a cakewalk. Because I, I knew as soon as I walked out and I saw all that, I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And immediately my nerves went away. Um, I still get nervous, though, in the back all the time. But when I walked out there, got in the ring, the match went flawlessly. Um, obviously, you- there were some things that I can work on, obviously, and that's going to be forever. Right. You know, nobody's ever going to be. You have to keep that mindset, otherwise you're gonna you're gonna get stale and you're gonna fuck up and no one's gonna know what to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but other than that, the match went really well. He's I don't know if you've ever seen him wrestle. I have not yet. So he's been around for probably sixteen years, Joey has. He's trained basically everybody that's at Nowhere right now. Um, not everybody, but a majority of the people gotcha. that are there. Um, and he that guy can do shit. I've never seen anybody do. Where's he worked before? Is he just strictly indie or has he really? He's worked. Now he just does the new era shows because he's, I don't know how old he is, probably late 30s. Okay. Um, but uh, Joey, he's been working for 16 years. He used to travel all over the place. Um, he used to be, he was a tank, man, that dude, because he's probably like 5'10". I think at his biggest, he was like 380. So he was Damn. just a monster of, of a person. Now he's probably like 220, so he lost an entire person, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when he was like in his prime of his career, when he was traveling around and doing everything, he was probably about that big. But yeah, he's been around for forever. When it comes to your first match, did you have your gimmick set up? Did you have a, 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 a promo in your mind? Did they give you notes? I didn't need to cut a promo. So they announced that I was going to make my debut basically through social media. So I kind of did like a promo through social media, mm-hmm. but I didn't do one in front of the audience um, for whatever reason. But I, uh, I got the call that we were going to do it probably two weeks before it happened. And from there, they just promoted the crap out of it. And uh, me and Joey talked about what we wanted to do for our match. And 
from there, it just went forward. What was the finisher in that one? Did he? Did, did you? You obviously didn't. Well, not obviously, but you probably did the job, right? Yeah. Or did yeah, you yeah. probably did the job? Uh, no, no offense. I didn't mean it like that. Dude, man, I don't care if I win or lose. I just want to wrestle. Nice. Uh, but he hit me with a kryptonite crunch. So it's kind of like Seamus's white noise. Gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. It was fun. I bet it was. <laughs> Knocked me a little loopy for a second, but it was fun. Did he tell you anything when he was putting the one, two, three on you? No. He was messing with me the whole match. So it was funny. He put me in a front face lock around the ground. He started like, sticking his fingers in my nose. <laughs> trying to make me laugh. And I like went to the back. I was like, what is that about? He goes, ah, I, I have this thing. Like, I try to make everybody break character in the match. I'm like, awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man. My first match. You're going to try. Right. But it was actually, you know what? Thinking back on it, like at that moment, I wasn't mad, but I was like, why would you do that? But now I, looking back on it, it settled me down so much. Because I was like, we're out here to have fun and right. entertain these people. He's and probably I, seeing if he could get you to break, and if you did break, you were in trouble. Probably, and <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. I mean, I kind of giggled when we were on the ground, but as soon as we got up, I was like, nah. Uh, all right, so uh, you've got your first match under your belt. Yep. You walk past the crowd, you go backstage. What's, what's in your mind? I mean, obviously, when you first walked out there, you think, this is home. But now that you've been let in the front door and found your name written there, after that first match, how did it progress in your mind? So it's going to sound super sappy, but... No, go for it. Uh, my buddy that I've been friends with since I was 12, he and I, and one of the kids that's going to be coming into New Era here pretty soon, we all used to wrestle in, in my basement. So it was all of our dreams that mm -hmm. we wanted to be pro wrestlers. Unfortunately, his life kind of took a different path. He ended up moving to Georgia for a while, and now he lives in Nebraska. But he flew out for my debut, and uh, after the match was over, he kind of, he didn't go into the back, but he was kind of like right by the door of the locker room. I came out, and I hugged him, and I was like, this is what it's all about, man. A decade ago, we set a goal, and here we are. And then we both started crying. I bet. And he's like, I can't tell you how proud I am of you. Um, I know you're going to kill this, blah, blah, blah. And I, at that point, I couldn't say anything else. I was just crying. Finally composed myself, I go to the back, and I was talking to Joey, and I was like, I hope everything went well, I, th I hope that we did good. He goes, oh, it was fine. It was great, man. Mm -hmm. He goes, uh, for your first match, I'm genuinely surprised you did that well. And he kind of gave me a nice little rub, and at that point, I started crying again. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I can't tell you how much it means to me that you put all this time into me, because he doesn't get paid to train any of us. No he shit. He just shows up, and yeah, because he cares. And I can't, and I told him this, I was like, I can't tell you how much I respect and appreciate the fact that you put as much time into me as you did, and I hope that I put on a good show, and that I hope that you and I had a good match that you were proud of. And he was like, I can't, he said to me, he goes, I'm glad that you're crying right now because it shows you're passionate, and that's why I do this. Nice. And that was kind of the end of our conversation, but yeah, I cried twice. <laughs> No, that's what that's what it's about, man. It it, it it'll hit you in the boo boo if you if you're really going for it. Yeah, man, it's wild. After you had a, you know some time for the afterglow to, to wear off after your, your first match, you, you you got the rub, but then obviously they're going to tell you after the you know next training what you need to improve on. Yep. Um, when it came to that afterglow over, how did that start the evolution of Damon Ace? I kind of. So, 
when we went into the match, I was so focused on what we were doing. I didn't really get to hear or see the crowd or try and bring them into it. So I knew I needed to work on that. And since then, I've, I've really done that. I really try to bring energy through the crowd, keep everybody, keep everybody interested from the beginning to the end. Um, well, I mean, like, who is Damon Ace? Like, like obviously, yeah. we're at the, the, the genesis here. Tell, tell me about this person. What, what makes him tick? What, yeah. what, what sort of things uh, is he thinking when he's out there, like, full kayfabe? Full kayfabe. Okay, so Damon Ace is born and bred competitor. I've obviously had an incredible athletic background from when I was young. And I decided to take the passion that I had in all the other sports I've tried and bring it into what I dreamt about as a child. Um, so I guess he's just a competitor. He wants to go out and fight. And I fight. Man, I fight like crazy. What's he fighting for? What are you fighting for? You fighting for glory? Are you no, fighting for girls? I'm you fighting, fighting for me, man. I'm fighting for what I want. I don't care about getting the title right now. This is my fourth match. I'm sure eventually I'll want that, but I just want to compete and I want to entertain people and I want to be the best that I can possibly be at this time. And so I go out every match with that in my mind. I want to be the best out here. I want to put on a show for all these people. And as much as it sounds maybe like an ego thing, I want people to remember who I am, not because I need to be a champion or anything, but because the more people know you, the more people want to see you. You're damn right about that. So, and that's what this is all about. How do you feel wrestling in a uh, in a in a comic book warehouse? Like, it, it was interesting when you when you pointed that out because <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is like, I, for one thing, I was blown away that you know who the hell my my podcast was, or at least seen one of them. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm like, yeah, this is actually a. It's funny you bring up, uh, you know, New Era and then being them being in Mile High, yep. you know, uh, the big warehouse. If a lot of people don't know it's the biggest comic book store in the in the world. Yep. Uh, and like, you know, the it's actually wrestling and comic books, yeah. and I could just see you laughing. I was like, okay, maybe this this will be cool. You know, and it kind of sucks because uh, I know that they had a break in pretty recently. Some douchebag stole a bunch of comics. And they're going to get caught up with. I hope they do. They, they they probably knew exactly what they were going for, and I can almost guarantee you that all the guys that are in the same thing with like the boys around around town for wrestling are probably the same way for comics. And if someone shows up with the right comics, uh, they're going to know. <laughs> they're going to. Yeah, know. And I'm down to have my first death match. Bring that dude in. Let's yeah, do it. Agreed, because that you can't. That's. That's not that's not stealing some liquor or, or twenty bucks behind the counter. You're stealing art. Yep. You're you're stealing, you're stealing history. Something that a lot of people care a lot about. Yeah. And obviously that makes sense because he stole forty two thousand dollars. Jesus Christ! Books. He probably could have just stolen one. <laughs> that. Yeah. But anyways, not to be morbid or sad about it, but I had to kind of bring that up because that's just ridiculous. No, no, yeah, bring it up because if if y'all are listening to this around Denver and you know anything about that. You know, reach out. We'll 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 make sure the right people know in total total anonymity. Yep. If you know anything about that, uh, let us know because uh, they're they're fucking with comics and they're fucking with wrestling, and that's yep. just not something that we're gonna not allow. Cool. <laughs> no, not, not, cool. not not at no, all. No, but as far as wrestling in the comic book store, um, when I heard that they were doing that, I was like, oh, this is great. I get to do the two things I love the most because I'm a huge comic book fan. Me too. I'm, Mostly a DC guy. Unfortunately, nice. right now Marvel is kicking the shit out of them with their cinematic universe. But whatever. Uh, DC animation is where it's at. Of course. Well, yeah, that's different though. Mm -hmm. um, but 
Yeah, man, it's cool. It's gigantic. That warehouse is huge. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, our listeners, for you guys, that don't, if you're listening and you don't know anything about Mile High, the, the warehouse, look up some pictures. This isn't a, uh, a regular warehouse. This is a legit, giant yeah. warehouse. He has the largest comic book collection in the world. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which is insane. You guys got a great setup out there, too. Yeah. Uh, you guys got plenty of room. You got the nice high mat. You've, you've got a... a Great entryway, yep. uh, plenty of room to do whatever the hell you want. It's not like some places where you got to be careful how high you jump. Um, You're not going to hit anything. No. You would have to jump 30 feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you could do that, by all means do it. But there ain't nobody that's going to be jumping that high. Um, was your first match at my line? Yep. Yes, it was. You said you had uh, entry music. What did you have? Sledge by the Zealots. I've not heard that. I'm going to look that up later. Why'd you pick that? Um, so it was funny because I hadn't really, I had a couple ideas of what I wanted to do, but nothing really like sat well with me. I kind of would go back and forth between what I wanted to walk out on. So when Joey texted me, he's like, hey, we're doing our match, blah, blah, blah. I need your entrance music. I was like, ah, shit. I have no idea what I want to do. So every day at the gym, I would literally just scroll through like new music and try and find something. If I didn't like the first 30 seconds of it, I was like, I can't do it. Yeah. Because that's, that's like your that's most it. important part. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was funny because I had kind of just like given up. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to find anything today. I was, I think I was training shoulders that day. So it was a pretty long workout, probably two hours. Um, and I was like an hour into it. I was like, I'm not going to find anything. Like, screw it. So I just left my YouTube on autoplay. And this song came up, Sledge by the Zealots. In the first 30 seconds, I was like, holy shit, this is my song. This is it. This is it. And it was funny because there was a couple of my buddies there. Mario was there who he actually just recently started fighting. Um, so we and I, he and I train a lot together. But I ran up to him. I was like, hey, man, I found my entrance music. You have to listen to it. Tell me if it sounds good. And he like, he's like, all right, what is it? So he like downloads it, listens to it. And he's like, yeah, that's what you need to walk out to. Because I didn't want to like just have me looking for songs. And then I walk out and everybody's like, wow. That sounds stupid. Right, because you could get shit on right Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I had to have somebody else tell me if it was good. And he was like, yeah, that's awesome. So that's how I found my song. Who are some, tell me about the boys in, uh, in New Era. Which ones? First ones pop your head. God damn, there's a lot of people there that are so good. Um, Dory Maddox wrestles there. Uh, Filter, if you know who that is. He worked, He uh, does a lot of primo shows as well. Right on. Um, Junsu, who I had my second match against, the human wrecking ball. He's like five foot eight, probably three hundred pounds, so he's just a little tank. Um, Logan Austin, who I'm sure you have seen before. Yes, he's there. Uh, great young talent. I would love to work with Logan. There's, yeah, there's a lot of guys that want to work with Logan. Yeah, yeah. Logan's fun. Um, and then all obviously got all the, the vet guys: Joey Kincaid, Duff Doyle. Junsu, Jason Knoll. Hunter Gray works there as well. Hunter's cool. Hunter is cool. Hunter is big. Um, Bruce Rogers. Who else? Eric Angel's there. He's pretty good. I mean, I don't like him, but he's good. <laughs> um, Delta. Delta's there. You know nice. Delta. And, yeah. You know Delta very well. Um, yeah, Delta's there. He's fun. I talk to him in the back all the time. He's actually, it's funny because 
he came back, I think, after my second match. He was, like, one of the first ones. I was like, hey, man, that was an awesome match. Blah, blah, blah. Gave me a bunch of locker room advice. And then we sat down and started talking about just wrestling in general. Um, so I like Delta a lot. I basically, I, I think that kind of everybody at New Era deserves to be put over because they're all just genuinely good workers and good people. Well, that's what I want to hear. That's, yeah. that's, uh, and they put on, they put on crazy shows, man. I, I've been to a bunch of local stuff. I've been to sh- stuff in Wyoming and as far as wrestling aspect of all of it, I think that they're the best show, but obviously anybody's going to say that about their own. Right. If there's no problem with that, there's nothing wrong with that. You're not going to get heat for promoting yeah, your, own, your no. own guys. But New Era is where I'm at right now. And I know that I can spend a good majority of time there honing my skills that will take me anywhere I want to go. When's the next show? June 8th. June 8th? June 8th, Mile High. And it's New Era Presents Bedlam. That's the one to not miss. I've seen that on Facebook, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I miss it. Yeah. Me and Jason Knoll are going to be wrestling Vanity Inc. for the tag titles. Nice. Yeah. Wow, tag titles so soon. That yeah. sounds juicy, man. I know. That Which is interesting because me and Jason had a match last month, he and I did. And that was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, he beat me. But he came into the back after that. I was like, hey, man, I just want you to know you did really well out there. I see a lot of um, potential in you, and I hope that you and I get to work together again. And I think it was probably like a couple hours after. He was like, if you ever want a tag team or anything, like let me know. So he must have talked to somebody nice. and got it going because he and I are wrestling for tag titles. He saw something he knew he could work with. Yeah. That's, that's, that's gnarly. So I guess that's good even though I lost. I did well enough. You don't have to win. What's the word? You don't have to lose to win. Right. But yeah. There's, yeah. there's A lot of people don't realize that like, oh, I want this guy to have the belt. Like, he doesn't need a belt. Yeah. Like, he's over completely. Like, let him shine everyone else up. Have a great feud with someone. He yeah. doesn't have to have the belt. Maybe eventually, like, yeah, you'll get, you'll, you'll get the, you know, the cherry on your pie. Yeah. But, you know, the, the people that need the belts are up-and-comers, people that actually are legit to actually carry the company. Yeah. That sort of, a lot of people don't understand that. And the thing, I, you know, I've, and I've always said this, I've always been far more interested, as far as wrestling, far more interested in the feuds and the storytelling that feuds can do mm-hmm. rather than title matches that don't mean anything. Agreed. Like everybody always wants to chase a title. And I would I would far rather be able to get into a feud with somebody that means something. Right. Uh, absolutely. Especially like, okay, you can walk out with a belt or you can walk out and the whole first crowd could be booing you and giving yep. you the finger and like just hating your guts yep. and just soaking that in like, yes, you yep. hate me. Yep. This is what I'm here for. And whether, if, you know, if you're obviously, if you're, if you're fighting heel, yep. uh, which sometimes can work against you if you end up doing too good at it and they start cheering for it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're going to get that anywhere now, especially with indie shows. There's always those people that are like, oh, we cheer the heels because blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, because that's what we're supposed to do, guys. Yeah, just have fun. Enjoy the damn show. Mind your business. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the indies. Yeah. Let's talk about the indies. Can I uh, use the restroom really quick? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. I'll be right back. Sorry. Hey guys, we're back. We're talking about Walking Dead now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't forget the question about the indie stuff because I want to talk about it. No problem. No, I, I hated. I I was really excited about it because I wanted the, the the indies to get over because it was one of the the few comics that 
was just selling so well yeah. from Image. And I was, I loved the show. I loved Bernthal kicking ass as Shane. But the second they made Andrea this little bitch to the governor, yeah. which that I was done. Like, yeah. cause she was, it was, she was already with Rick, their best sharpshooter, one of their yeah. greatest leaders. And that's what they're going to do to that character. I didn't want them to do exactly the same thing, yeah. but not that. Can't, but I mean, Michonne's way more badass because, like, now she's kind of submissive. I would say, in a way, you know. Yeah, she's she's gotten a little bit softer. That's yeah. for sure. When they introduced her, I was like, "Perfect, badass. this is what we need. This mm-hmm. is who she is." Blah blah blah. And as the show has progressed, I didn't even watch this last season. No, I haven't watched it since uh, Andrea. Which sucks because I truly loved the Whispers. I oh, that was, was that was awesome. Yeah, the whispers are great in the comic. But my buddy, he watches the show all the time. I think it was like first three episodes into the season. I was, I had this plan. I was like, I'm gonna wait till they're all out so I can sit there and binge watch them all, and I don't have to wait a week because I had to do that last season, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate doing that. So I was like, I'd rather just wait and try to avoid whatever spoilers. But he, he was like three episodes, and he's like, I can't watch this anymore because yeah. it was so dead. It, nothing was going on. Um, the whole dynamic between Rick and Negan when he locks him up wasn't there. And I was like, fuck man, like, I can't watch yeah. it now. Yeah, they needed that. That was a huge, a huge dramatic point storyline that they really cheated themselves out of was Rick locking Negan up and constantly going to him for advice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I, he said that that whole dynamic isn't there. And I was like, you know what, I'm just not going to waste my time. Now, uh, when you, you brought up DC earlier is like we've – like Colin and I, when we do the the minefields like specific uh, comic uh, issues or episodes, we just call, we call them issues. Uh, we find ourselves really just talking a lot about like Marvel random stuff and uh, image. Okay. But DC, I've been doing my best to pick up DC stuff. Uh, new episodes, new issues of the Flash are phenomenal. Uh, year one. Okay. Uh, Green Lantern has been really good. The Terrifics. I haven't read any comics recently. Yeah, sorry, continue. No, 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 this is just random thing because, you know, this is what the whole podcast is for. But, yeah, yeah let's, uh, sorry, but, yeah, we, we took a break and then accidentally started talking about The Walking Dead. Dude, if you want to talk yeah. about DC, let's do it. Well, who's your DC guys? Batman. Nice, you're wearing the Batman shirt right now. And the Harlequin hat. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. That's um, beautiful. I love Batman. Uh, I love Barry Allen. I love Flash, um, especially the Flash series that they do on CW. What comics were the, the ones that really hit you uh, for DC? Like when you were a kid, like I just I read a lot of uh, Batman and Justice League. I didn't wa- I didn't read as many comics as much as I watched like the animation, like Good. the Batman shows and uh, a couple of Justice League movies. I really enjoyed. Um, unfortunately, I when I'm growing up, I didn't even know that there was comic book stores in Colorado. I had no idea. So I've spent like a majority of my time learning through either the shows. Or on the internet, or just watching movies. God damn, man, that sucks. It sucks. I've known about Mile High since like the mid '90s. Yeah, they're, well, they're... that's awesome for you, isn't it? <laughs> well, they were always advertising. The well, back I grew of up in Highlands Ranch. Yeah. So we're not even close. Yeah, I can't think of a down there. Yeah, I yeah. can't think of anyone in Highlands Ranch. But luckily, my buddy, uh, my buddy Balaam, who's going to be uh, probably debuting shortly in New Era, um, he is a comic book freak. So we used to go over to his house and just like. Read all sorts of stuff. Nice. Yeah. Any particular one comic that stands out you loved? Um, 
One that like you reread over and over. I like the Flashpoint series. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good good jump off point. Flashpoint I like the was Flashpoint good. series. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a super cool story, and the way that they did uh, Martha and Thomas as Batman and Joker was. It was sad. It was, but it was also a cool change of pace. Agreed. So that probably is the one that stands out the most to me. When one of the reasons why we started doing the podcast is because obviously we love comics and wrestling, but we want people to realize that they're not really a difference. <laughs> no. There's not really a difference. I mean, there's, I don't understand why uh, different organiza- wrestling organizations are not hiring comic book writers to like come in and help us. Don't write everything. Just help us with this. Help us tweak this. And yeah. then, uh, and then vice versa. Like, you know, some of these action shots are bullshit. Like, yeah. why don't, let us show you how boys do it. And, yeah. If you guys were able to like just do it, like here's what this should look like, and you got a couple artists there, like okay, yeah, th- this is what we need. The same way they did, like uh, like for example, um, Aladdin, uh, when they when they filmed Robin Williams in the studio, just being Robin Williams, yeah. and then they took that and put it into the fucking movie, and it wouldn't have been that if they hadn't done that. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I, I digress. Let's talk. Let's talk about Dandy. Sorry, brother. Sorry. Oh, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're all over the place. Like it's my day off, so I've just been like soaking it in. Man. Oh man, I love it. Uh, I want to talk about uh, well, for your favorite indie, non-local. So we're talking like Ring Honor, Impact. Um, favorite talent or guy? Who's the favorite brand? That's not Ring of Honor, or it is. That is along oh, okay. with Ring Honor. Um, I really enjoyed New Japan for a while. Um, I still do. I'm not saying anything. Oh, about it's that. still good, but yeah. Um, I hate to be, I hate to say it, but it's just because my favorite guys are right now. Impact. Yeah. Um, Killer Cross is my favorite indie guy right now. I can't believe I'm an Impact guy. Are you? Yeah. Ah, cool. So we have something in common. Yeah. I, I when I got when I met my buddy Tom that we do this uh, we do this usually with and he's like, what the fuck you mean Impact? Fuck that shit. TNA used to used. AJ's gone. I'm like, dude, you don't understand what... what dude, okay. Old school TNA, yeah. when like Styles yeah. and Kazarian and all those guys were there, yeah. that shit was wild. It was Aces amazing. and Eights was one of my favorite feuds of all time. <sighs> I, I will say that to the day I die. Nice. That whole thing and then Sting doing his whole joke gimmick and all that stuff was the most entertainment I've ever had with wrestling. Samoa Joe. Yeah. Hell, like, even well, Joe is just... That dude's insane. The fact that that guy is that big and can do the stuff that he moves too damn fast. It's stupid. It but, makes me mad. But right now, Impact, like uh, we, we've talked about this in the podcast before. If if for if you haven't caught up on this, guys, I, I want to talk. Did you see the 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 match with Cage versus uh, Morrison? Yeah, he heard it back in that match. He did, but in my opinion, and as a wrestler, do you think that match would have continued had Lance Storm not been the ref? No. The fact that because I I kind of went. And like listen to a bunch of stuff about it. And Lance asked Brian, he's mm-hmm. like, can, can you continue? You can tell, yeah. And Brian was like, I obviously he's hurt. Mm-hmm. He's like, Yeah, man, we're finishing the match. That's a wrestler's wrestler right there. Yeah. It, and they did. It and even though he was hurt, and I guarantee you he was severely hurt, because I think he oh, hurt yeah. like a vertebrae or something, herniated a disc, whatever it was. That botch move off the off That was the, the Spanish fly off. The, the Spanish fly, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the fact that he got up and continued A is badass as shit. But also, that's the wrestler's wrestle. And no, I don't think if anybody else was repping that match, it would probably not have continued. 
Johnny took goddamn care of him. Yes, he did, especially after that. Yeah, he like he, he like he like throws him into the into the ring, but then kind of like just gives him that push. You see him talk to Lance. He goes back and forth. Anytime there, the axe would have gone up, yep. but you see when he got him back in the ring, and he's got him in that hold, and he's got his face into his shoulder, and you see Cage just like, yeah, yeah, and like they weren't gonna steal his move because if that had happened, yep. it would have been months before Cage could have. But that's what happens when you get a guy that used to be a great wrestler. Yeah, and he's refereeing a great wrestling it's, match. It's Storm, man. I love that guy. Uh, I like that new. Uh, I like that new guy. Uh, what's his name? Ace, uh, the guy with the uh, oh, uh, Ace Austin, Ace Austin, yeah, that guy's a lot. He's of fun. crazy, yeah. he is super athletic. I don't know if he was a gymnast or what growing up, but yeah, I followed Ace Austin since he was in um, who was he with before he went? I don't know him, but that I don't know the history on that dude. Well, I know he was with Pro Wrestling Revolver for a while, but okay. I don't think he was exclusive there, he was obviously traveling. Um, but I know a lot of his really good matches were at uh, Pro Wrestling Revolver. Rosemary, I just love her. I still have my uh, Courtney's Not Here shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. Like if She likes my comments every now and then, and I just have to stop and get like compose myself because that's my type of woman right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because yeah. uh, Sean Hernandez, mm-hmm. uh, he and my buddy Balin, well, my buddy Balin follows him on Instagram. And he's like, has this idea that he wants to be the next Supermax because he's a Mexican guy. Gotcha. So he posted a picture of him doing the same like cholo pose that Hernandez used to do. And her, uh, Hernandez like commented on it, liked it, and shared it. And I was like, how awesome do you feel right now? I'm like, are you marking out super hard? Oh, yeah. And he calls me. He's like, I can't believe this is happening. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> this is insane. I'm like, yeah, man, I guess if you want to steal this gimmick, then he's cool. <laughs> as long as you can keep up. That's the thing. You gotta be able to keep up. How'd you feel about AEW's first show? It was fun. Um, I and I said this on my Facebook. I can't tell you how cool it is to be able to say that wrestling's fun again. Because yeah. indie wrestling is always fun, but obviously the bigger promotion. I'm not gonna say. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It's a given. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's been bad, but it's not what we've been wanting. No. It's been very unsatisfying. One thing I found uh, as a writer uh, is that in, in listening to a lot of different wrestling podcasts, and by the way, I, I've got an English degree that from the University of Oklahoma. I'm not bragging about it. No, what, I, what I'm trying to awesome. say is I've learned more about writing from wrestling than I ever fucking learned in the uh, classroom or any classic whatever or, 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 or new era book. Yeah. I've learned more about writing from wrestling, developing characters and um, well, that's what it kind of is. What I was going to say when we were talking about conflicts, and you say, you know, there's so many correlations between the two. That's what wrestling is. We don't, at least for me, I don't enjoy comics because these guys are super powerful. I don't enjoy them because Superman can fly around and shoot lasers out of his eyes. I enjoy them because it tells a story about how he has complications with Luther or Doomsday mm-hmm. or General Zod and got the countless other ones. They always it follows the same kind of thing that wrestling does. You know, you want to see the good guy win. The mm-hmm. bad guy wins the majority of the time. And in one ultimate clash, the bad guy always succeeds. Or the, win, the good guy always succeeds. I got a, uh, I got one thing I think you'll really dig. Um, I need to dig it out. It's it's an old uh, paperback copy of Nightfall. Are you familiar with Nightfall? Yeah, did you read the whole thing? 
uh, basically, it's Bane had already been around for maybe like a mm, couple months. They yeah. they they showed him. I think Legend, Legend, when he broke Legend, the bat, right? That's when he broke the bat. Yeah. But that issue where he broke the bat isn't shit compared to all the other issues because basically he shows up, breaks everyone out of Arkham, yeah. and Batman and Robin are awake for about two weeks wrangling these guys back up yep. and each new issue of, of Nightfall was a different bad guy like for example the one with Mr. Zaz he's in a school and he's fucking killing kids and doing Zaz the wild, yeah. yeah, he's one of my favorites and, he uh, was really good in Arkham Asylum yes I've cut yeah. yeah oh yeah just covered head to, head to toe in his tallies mm-hmm. and creepy ass if I can dig that up next time I'll yeah man I would love to team. I would love to because I never got to read the whole thing mm-hmm. I, I read the one issue where he and Batman clash and he broke his back. Yeah, because after he, after he wrangles everyone back up, he goes home to, to go to sleep, and there's a knock at the fucking door. There's a knock, and it's Bane. Let's yep. let's do this. Yep. <laughs> and he's Bane was a wrestler. Yep. <laughs> he's, he's in the old school like originality. Yeah. Yes, he was. He's got a lucha mask. He's got a lucha yep. mask. He's got a singlet on, just with the. He's got the full tights down to the boots. Yep. But the venom kind of helps you. Oh, just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> now, yeah, uh, man. Um, it, and it goes back to you saying, you know, you've learned more about writing through wrestling than you ever did with a degree. It's because you're being able to tell a story. And correct. That's what, that's what all of this is. And I feel like a lot of times people kind of get away from that. They want to just do a bunch of flashy stuff that looks cool and will pop the crowd. But it's like, are you telling... A story? Are you giving these people something to invest in, or are you giving some of these people something to be like, ooh, ah? Mm-hmm. And that's a huge difference. And I want to be able to, with my wrestling style, and what I want to do is I want to be able to go out and tell a story. That's what's important. And that's one of the reasons why I think you're going to succeed because you have that mindset. You can't just go out there and do a bunch of flips and think it's. I mean, you can. You'll probably get over for a little while. Yeah, I know but, plenty of people that do it. But but how far is it going to get you? I don't think very far at all because people are going to realize that. I mean, it's like when you first date a girl and you're a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, not that I'm a piece of shit, but you like, you know, you want to be the best version of you. And then, yeah. and then like, and then all of a sudden that wears thin. And then, and then they realize like, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're actually kind of a soft yeah. little bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how it was with me, man. Yeah. Me and my girlfriend, we've been dating for three years. And when we first started, I was the big, strong, like, beastly guy to her and now it's like every time I'm like you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna whip your butt yeah. she's like no nah, you're not you're a giant teddy bear I'm like why do you have to say that and make me feel like shit I was joking anyways but yeah, yeah my homegirls did the same thing about you about me it's like yeah, they'll like you, you've got your hair in your face you're Mr. Goth you got the boots on yeah <laughs> like you're a big fucking teddy bear you bought yeah. me breakfast the other yeah. day because my boyfriend was shitty to me yeah. <laughs> that's me man yeah that's a good way to be though because obviously, like when you first meet someone, um, yeah, you don't have to put on yeah. that little face or whatever. Yeah, you don't have to, but we all do it. <laughs> right, right. Let, let's uh, let, well, we're winding down because you got to get going in a minute. Um, oh, you're good, brother. It's seven twenty. Time, I'm fine. Cool. Don't worry about it. Uh, okay, so we're talking about uh, in-ring psychology. Uh, what is one of your? Do you, is there any match that you've seen, whether if it's big or indie, that like really blew your mind away because of the in-ring psychology? Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. Which one? I know that it's like the most recent theory AEW match. Nice. Um, and I think the psychology of that one worked so well because of what they did 
um, last year. Right. Um, this one wasn't as flashy. Right, because obviously Kenny beat Chris Jericho last year. And uh, kept trying to hit that one-winged angel and couldn't do it, couldn't do it, kept getting DDT'd. That right there is psychology to me. Right. Because it tells us Chris Jericho has learned what's going to happen, and blah, blah, blah. But it still had the whole back-and-forth competitive nature of it all. When, when Y2J, you know, Chris Jericho, my hero, uh, countered a V-trigger? Yep. Holy shit. Like, it's like right. I wanted to pause it and rewind it. Did that just happen? Dude, that yeah. V-trigger that he hit him with when he took that bump into the second turnbuckle and he hit him in the back of the head. I had to watch that probably five times before I realized it's like, okay, he worked it. Mm-hmm. But the first time I watched it, it was like, he's dead. <laughs> he's fucking dead. There's no way that that guy is still conscious right now. Because that is such a... And he... And it's Kenny Omega. Okay, so, yeah, whatever. He's the greatest of all time, whatever. I don't care. But he's so good about making shit look so legit. And he's still... Probably say, I mean, there were some f- punches thrown for real in that. Oh, yeah, the he broke his nose. I mean, you don't get to do that without getting hit for real. But Okada giving him how many tombstones in the yeah. third one, <laughs> right? <laughs> On the apron, yeah. But uh, the other match I would say that was great psychology to me that is still one of my favorite matches of all time was Triple H versus Taker at WrestleMania with Shawn Michaels as the guest ref at Hell in a Cell because that told the story even though it kind of wasn't. It kind of brought it back a little bit. They'll always bring it back as best they can. The the emotion in the last 10 minutes of that match was... I'll never forget that match. That was one of my favorites of all time. I'm trying to think of anything really sticks out that isn't just like brand new in my head right now because I've been filling my head with so much wrestling that all I can think of is like some new ones. Like For example, the first one that popped in my head was talk, talking about... Uh, keep having to correct myself in my head <laughs> Dustin Rhodes <laughs> against Cody and when they walk out there and the place is just going bonkers for for Dusty and yep. then like uh, Dustin looks up and points like he's 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 watching and they took they took care of each other the the color at first I was a little like okay this is a little too much like it was a little a lot of a lot of color but it added to what they. I think that they. And, and, and stop me if, if this is. If, no, if, if, I'm, I'm just listening to you, brother. Stop me if you think I'm, I'm off my fucking rocker about this. But in my mind, well, during this match, I'm thinking that uh, they sat down as brothers and wrote down everything that they were told not to do and decided to do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's. I can't really tell in that match if he colored himself or if he did take a bad bounce off that. It was the cane. He says it's the the cane. cane. Yeah, I'm sorry. He says it's the cane, but those cuts were too clean. Yeah, but he he had one on top of his head as well that was also leaking. Yeah. And I mean, either way, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter because I thought, and this is just me, how long has it been since you've been watching wrestling other than like an indie show where you actually see color like that? Uh, Last time I saw that much color and it didn't bother me. Uh, See, blood doesn't bother me. Are you? Well, it's not that it's it, it's not the blood that bothers me. It's if when people overuse it, they think just because there's blood that it makes it a good match. No. Yeah, I'm trying to think of one where the, the last time it actually it was used well. Uh, first thing that popped in my head is blood from a stone match. Okay. And any time I've ever seen color after that is like okay, they accidentally got cut, but it wasn't actually something that they used in a. Uh, 
in a, in a cohesive manner as a as a writer or, yeah. or a storyteller. For example, um, uh, one of the the, fr the first episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Uh, this guy is he he he's after who his wife is telling him is uh, raped her. They don't really say rape because it's the '60s, yeah. and uh, she's like, "There's the guy." They're cruising around, just you know, "There's the guy in the gray suit," and he's like, "Okay." And he watches them go into a hotel, and he parks, and he reaches under, he gets a wrench from under his seat, and he follows the guy in like he belongs there. And they get in the elevator, they go up, and he goes this way, and he follows him. The guy goes gets to his room, and the second he hears that door close, the the lighting all of a sudden dims, and there's just this swatch of light on this guy's face. Like, did you ever watch the like uh, uh, the Adams Family, the the first two movies? Yeah. Morticia this always had always has light on she her had face. that light on her face. And it just, it zoomed in, and there was that light in his face, and the camera followed him to the door. He opens the door, and you don't really see all the way in. You see, like, you see if, like, that's the edge of the bed, and the door's here, uh -huh. and you see the, like, what are you doing in here? And you see the, you see the, what? you see the, 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 yeah. the arm go up, but you don't see blood. Yeah. You hear the wet, smacky noise yeah. of a wrench caving some guy's head in. Yeah. And, and the reason I'm telling you that story is because that's good storytelling. You don't yeah. have to... The, the, uh, if, if they'd have shown all, like, mashed brains if they could in the 60s, why? Yeah. So you, you can do better with psychology. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But there are also matches where I feel like that does produce more psychology. Agreed. in that match, especially in that match. Especially. The fact that he was bleeding like that and continued to fight and put on a show... It all links back to the first couple promos that they put together, especially the one where Cody says, "You know, I love my brother, mm -hmm. but what do you do with a dead? What, what do you do with an injured horse? Mm -hmm. You know, you bring it out, you roll your fingers across the steel chamber of your gun, you blow it away, blah blah blah." If you look at that promo and then that match, it makes sense. It does. That's what he was trying to do. He was trying to blow Dustin away. Correct. Which he and did. Obviously, Cody won the match, but at the end of it. It made that whole "you're gonna be my tag partner against the Bucks" that much more important. I lost it. Yeah, but it made it more important, and it was the fact that he was bleeding and showing that he would give his life for this mm -hmm. is something that means something to me. I don't know if it means that same thing to everybody, but to me, sometimes that makes sense. It, I wasn't crying because it was such a good match. Well, that's part of it, but I was crying because. Yeah, we're not. You're not going down. This is. Yeah. This no, is. No, he wasn't giving up. You no, know, you're. You're not going down. You're going to be my partner. Who better? Yeah. Who better to, to do this with? And like, man, I, I can't imagine there's a dry eye in that stadium at yeah. that moment because of that. Well, and it's the same thing. Like I said, with that Taker Triple H match because they beat the hell out of each other. Mm -hmm. And those last like three minutes when they're both kind of just sitting in the turnbuckles and Shawn Michaels is in his hands crying, and Triple H climbs up the turnbuckle and his last one suck it. Right to the Undertaker, like I'm not going down without a fight, and he hits that tombstone, and it's over. That to me is like holy shit. That guy wasn't going to give up until he couldn't fight anymore. What did you think of the message that Cody was sending uh, by destroying the Triple H throne, pulling out the getting the sledgehammer? There's a lot of theories. Um, I mean, not just theory. What did it mean to you? Do you think AEW's the 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 new WCW, the, the Messiah. Well, they can say all they want that, oh, we're not going to be competition, we're going to be an alternative. But whether you want to be or not, subconsciously, you already are. Right. You know, you're already competition because 
look at the fact they sold out a 12,000 person arena in four minutes. I yeah. mean, when's the last time WWE did that? I know they've done it, but when's the last time they did that in four minutes? With right? ravenous fans. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can tell me all you want. Oh, it's not competition, blah, blah, blah. But it is. It is. And uh, I hope that it's not another WCW. Or if it is, don't let anybody come in there and blow it creatively. Do what you're doing right now. Because right now, that's the reason John Moxley went there. Because he has the ability to take care of his character. And be, and be who he wants to be. And you can literally see that the yes. second he runs into the ring. Yes. That whole... I know his, his whole gimmick is like, oh, I'm scary, I'm crazy, blah, but you can like literally see in his eyes, like, Freedom. I'm being unshackled. Freedom. Yeah. And so, as long as they don't go down the same path that WCW did mm-hmm. with their creative, and we all know who. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, when you first, you know, your, your, your child, when you first decided to be a wrestler, where did you picture yourself going? Where do you picture yourself going now? AEW or Japan. Honestly, right now, I, the indies are so fun. What right course now. do you want to go? As far as like where I want to work? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like if you could map out your the next five years, uh, hit me with it. I mean, of course, like, nowadays they're going to tell you they don't want to go to WWE. But that's bullshit. Everyone wants to If WWE WWE called me tomorrow and they were like, hey, we'll give you $500,000 a year or whatever, I'd take it. Right. Even though it's not that much money for that company, mm-hmm. I would still do it in a heartbeat. Everyone because who it. wouldn't? But all these people will tell you that they won't. Um, I just want to go to the top, wherever that may be, because I don't know five years from now. You know, you don't know if AEW is going to succeed or not. You don't know if Impact's going to make a comeback. I sure as hell hope so, because they've got like five months to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you just you never know, and Impact has enough talent to do it right now. They really do. They just, I feel like their their issue is more on the promotional side of it because their creative directions are very good. They take care of all their people, I think. Um, you just have to be able to get back out there. And the fact that they can't, they're not on TV anymore hurts them or hinders their progress. Um, but five years from now, shit, man, you don't really know where anybody's going to be. No. New Japan could be like the new giant thing because it's taking off tremendously right now. So wherever... I can be the most lucrative for myself, but also the most lucrative for this business is where I want to be. So you're here to take care of everyone, not just family, but your boys too. Because it's music to mirrors, man. Well, and I can't tell you how many people they come in and out of, because that's one of the first questions they ask you when you start training. Why do you want to be a wrestler? So many people are like, I want to be famous. I want money. I want the glory. Right. You're not a wrestler. You want to be in everybody's face because you want to be famous. And that's not for me. That's not what I want to do. Of course, once you get to that point, you're inevitably going to be famous. People are going to know who you are. I've never really wanted that. I've seen people that are famous. I know plenty of professional athletes that hate going on the road because people don't leave them alone. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's a fun life. Everybody thinks it's this giant extravaganza of money and girls. and It's not. You're lonely. You're traveling all the time. Your family is at home by themselves. You're missing birthdays. You're missing yeah, graduations. you're missing everything, man. And it's not what all these people think. You cannot be in this business for money or fame. You have to do it because you love it. It always makes me think of that, like when I hear people answer in that like bullshit, shitty way. I remember, I was at a tool show one time, and there was people you met a tool? Was, huh? You met a tool there? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. That's a good point. 
there's people outside crying they can't get in. And yeah. and we are just we're we're very close and then we're, we're happy to be there and there's this stupid little girl standing next to me and she's like, My boyfriend paid for my ticket and I'm like, Oh my god. <laughs> like like when you say that like yeah, I wanna be famous, that's that's the type of fake bullshit that, that in the same wavelength, like dude, yeah. get the fuck out. Yeah. Like this this isn't for you. Yeah. yeah. Well it's cool right now because there's this uh guy we just call him Doctor Silver because he's a he's a doctor, but he just started training with us and he busts his ass, man. But it was funny because he's like, I think he's like thirty four. I was like, why why do you want to do this, man? Like you're already kind of like over where you should have started. Mm-hmm. He's like, I know, I don't really care. I just want to be wrestling for as long as I can. I was like, where do you want to go? He goes, I just want to do local indie shows or whoever will have me. And there are people that are like that, and they are just as good as anybody else. Because they just care about wrestling. They just want to wrestle. And that's all I want to do. Of course, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I don't want to make money. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah. Everybody wants to make money. you got to make that paper. I want to be able to, whenever I can, say to my job, like, hey, I've loved working here, but I want to do this. This is where I'm going. And if wrestling can support me for the rest of my life, wrestling is what my life is going to be. Dream matches. Killer cross. Plus. <laughs> that was fast. Dude, I'm telling you, man, I love him. Do you, do you? Are you pretty familiar with him? Yes, I am. Yeah. Have you ever watched some of his promos? I've seen a few of them, but not enough to get as excited as you are at the moment. That guy is insane. Um, as far as indies, him, Adrian Matthews, who I hope that you can make the June 8th show because he's wrestling. He's the newer title holder. Um, but he is probably one of the best in-ring athletes I've ever seen. And that's not just to blow anybody off or anything like that. He is a phenomenal wrestler. Um, Part of any matches. Him, Killer Cross. Um, who else? Ryan Cage would be fun. Love that guy. He is a tank. Um, you notice how I've already named a couple of Impact guys. Yeah. Um, we gotta get impact over, guys. If you're listening, just give it a chance. Don't don't listen to anyone talking shit about it because they're they're yeah. they're wrong. I I enjoy impact a lot. Yeah. Um, you know who Austin Theory is? I do not know. At Evolve, Mm-mm. he I would love to work him. That would be another dream of mine. Um, Ace Austin would be fun. AC Baby, that gigantic dude. Did you see him in the <laughs> Casino Royale? Which one was he? He's the literal gigantic fat dude. Yeah. Threw that guy out of the ring. He has a viral clip of doing the same thing when he launched that dude over the steel cage on the outside. That's awesome. Steel barrier. That's awesome. He is a monster. He would be fun. Um, And I don't really know who else. Who are you thankful for here in, in, in Denver? Joey Kincaid and Adrian Matthews. They have carried me on their shoulders and under their wings for the past year. Why should people go and train with them? Because they're the best trainers in Colorado. 100%. What makes them that way? They just, obviously they know what they're doing or they just, is it is it the care they put into it? So it's funny because they're both different, right? So Joey, Joey's very technical. He obviously still cares about wrestling a lot, but he's very technical. He will teach you how to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing in the ring 
how to chain it, how to get out of moves, your timing, all sorts of things. He will really tone and tweak for you. He'll help you get better at those kind of things. Adrian Matthews, um, as much as I love him, he's hard on a lot of people in a difficult way. Um, but I truly believe, and it's funny because he's always like, you know, I don't like wrestling, blah, blah. I'm like, you love wrestling. You just don't like the people that are in wrestling. And he's like, yeah, that's probably true. Because Adrian cares so much that if you're blowing stuff, he, he's going to tell you straight up, like, you suck. You need to get better. And sometimes people need that. And it also, like we were talking about earlier, weeds people out. If you can't take criticism like that, you're not going to go anywhere, especially not in this business, because people are not fucking nice. Yeah, but not even that. I mean, like, if you can't even take criticism, that means you can't play ball business-wise. Yeah. You're going to end up like Drew McIntyre. Hopefully, like, someone will give you another shot, <laughs> which he did, but uh, he he burned a lot of bridges. But at the end of the day, this is a business, and you have to be a business person. And business is not easy. Business is full of backstabbing and corruption, and you have to make sure that you're doing everything that you can to not get in that. Hey, it's the wrestling biz. It is. And... Um, Adrian Matthews has sat down countless times with all of us, told us all the rules of the road, rules of wrestling, how to be a businessman, how to market yourself. Like, that's what he's really good at. Because he wrestles, he wrestles here, he wrestles for WCWC, West Coast Wrestling Connections. Nice. Up in Oregon. He does Wildcat Pro down in Louisiana. He does Texas. He does Nevada. California. New York. He's done rec- Wrestle Circus twice. Um... Wrestled for Cauliflower Alley, I don't even know how many times. So he's been around, and he's only been wrestling for four years. So he obviously is doing something, right? The New Era show coming up on the eighth. What's it called again? Bedlam. Bedlam. Yep. What do we have, What do we have to look forward to in, in Bedlam? Well, me and Jason are wrestling for the tag titles, so that'll be fun. Agreed. Um, but yeah, there was probably three hundred people there for that show. The second show is at probably two fifty. Last show, probably about the same. Signs. Um, oh, yeah. Can you drink there? No. Okay. They don't serve alcohol here. Gotcha. Yeah. I didn't think so. I, they, there's workarounds where, like, you t- you like contribute to a charity and you get a beer or something yeah. like that. Yeah, but. Unless the, unless the promotion is, like, in a bar, mm-hmm. it's not very often that you find that they serve alcohol. Well, fuck, it's Colorado, man. Just get blazing your car. And then yeah. Get <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what is it? Is it, uh, goddamn, what's that new promotion? The main event or whatever. Who is it that does that? Uh, I'm not familiar with it right now, brother. No? I'm sorry. There was a new promotion that just started here. That's like 420 based. Cool. Yeah, I think it's an outdoor <laughs> venue and everybody can just get blazed. So if that's your thing, <laughs> it's not, look for it. It's not, but I like watching people enjoy themselves. And uh, I would prefer people smoking than getting fucked up drunk. Yeah. Well, and the issue is, especially with indie wrestling, because the heels are far more involved with the crowd. Mm-hmm. You get some dude that's wasted and you're giving yeah. him shit and he jumps in the ring, that dude's going to have a bad night. Yeah. We, uh, we're we actually writing a comic book, uh, a wrestling comic book. I'm writing it. My buddy uh, Gunther, he's drawing it. I'll show it to you. It's yeah, for sure. Want to see. But uh, it's the first thing that happens is uh, some dumbass decides to go into the ring. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, that's that guy that jumped in with Stone Cold Triple H. How that went for him? Oh yeah, <laughs> the one was that the one in Germany? Was that the one I don't in? I remember Ger- where it was. I, I think it was the one in Germany. I just <laughs> remember Triple H German suplex that dude on his head, and him <laughs> and that ref just kicked the shit out of that guy. Yep, 
Or the guy that jumped Bret Hart. Oh, dude. That dude got fucked up, too. Yeah, in and out of the ring. <laughs> he got lucky, that guy, too, because I don't know if you saw it, but I went back and watched a couple of times because, obviously, they had the, the rope was missing from the, the front side, and Ronda yeah. Rousey and Travis Brown were sitting right Travis there. wasn't having that shit. No, but that guy <laughs> jumped in, and Travis ran up there and was, like, this close to catching him and, like, tripped over the, the podium mm-hmm. that they were standing at. So he didn't grab him right away, but I was like, dude, if that guy would have grabbed you, you would literally probably be dead. Because it's Travis Brown. I don't care what his UFC record is. That dude would mollywop just about anybody. He, that guy got lucky he got out. Yeah. That guy got real lucky. But yeah, um, I think we're good, brother. I actually got to get going. I'm sorry to cut this, but uh, right, I know man. you got to get another time, man. Oh, no, yeah. We're definitely another time, man. Yeah, yeah we, we usually cut this around like one, an hour to like hour and 30, but I actually have to get going. But uh, how do we find you on uh, social media? Facebook right now, um, under Damon Ace. Uh, I'm working on my Twitter right now, so that will be up. And then I'm working on my Instagram as well. So right now, just Facebook, but once once I get those two up, obviously I'll post them on my Facebook, so then you guys can follow me there. Right on. Yeah, this will be running uh, by tomorrow night. Uh, everyone, It's uh, today's the May 30th. Yes, sir. Eight days from now, or nine days from now. Nine days. Eight. Come down to New Era and watch... Me and Jason all kick some ass. My high comics, not yes, not sir. not the little store, the big ass, the big uh, warehouse, the big warehouse by the stadium, guys. Uh, but we appreciate you uh, taking the time to let us uh, entertain you for a bit, uh, sir. It's been an absolute pleasure to yeah, talk man. to you. It was yeah. so fun. I had yeah. a great time. All right, Thank well, you very much. Well, well, mindful is over now, guys. Take it easy.